Welcome to the Movie Business Podcast, picking up where Movie Business Book left off. I'm Jason Squire, hosting a wide range of industry talent and executives to answer fundamental questions about the business today. Here we go. The Secrets of Sound in Movies will be explored with Tomlinson Holman, the TH in the THX Sound Standard for Theaters and Devices. He served in technical roles to advance sound for film and television at companies including Lucasfilm, TMH, Odyssey, and Apple. At USC, Tom taught thousands of students over 25 years. He's also the author of Focal Press Books, Sound for Film and Television, and Sound for Digital Video. Welcome, Tom. Thank you, Jason. <laughs> what a great time to be here. Well, I'm glad that you could... Uh, join the podcast today. Let's jump right in and ask about what are the secrets of sound in movies? Well, there's a story told of the old wizened audio editor who gets in a neophyte to help and tells the neophyte the story. Young person, your mother will never know what you do. <laughs> Don't worry about it. That's the way it is. And that uh, kind of is what uh, sound in movies is like. It's behind the scenes. It's not up front in your face. Walter Murch says sound comes in through the back door. And that means that everybody can tell apart a table and a chair in a realistic scene, but almost nobody knows the difference in power behind ambience versus Foley or hard effects or what music does. And so that, it is the subtle art. And it's behind the scenes, and it can help move your emotions in a way that is manipulable by the filmmaker to make a, an overall experience. And the best way to study it is to look and listen to lots of movies. A good home theater system today is good enough to tell you what's going on. And I'll give you one little hint. Watch Love Actually and watch the first 20 minutes ah. because that movie uses every scene change method known to man. It is fantastic. It uses the fade out, fade in. It uses the dissolve. It uses the bang cut on and on. There's a table in the book, sound for DV, what they all are, but you don't really need the table to sit there and listen. Uh, it's a different way of looking at a movie. It is by listening to it and figuring out what the filmmaker did. And in that instance, I think they were making a textbook case of scene changes. Hmm. Now, there's a lot more to movie sound than scene changes, but that's one indication of one thing you can do really quickly. In 20 minutes, you can say, wow, look at all these things these guys did. The next thought is in most filmmaking, it is the dialogue that is the single most important thing, and it's the usual thing that goes wrong in inexpensive films. You know, when you're down to a two-person crew, you really uh, the two people are the cinematographer slash director and the sound person. Uh, so that's how important it is. It's when it's 50% of the crew. And the most important thing to tell you about that is whenever possible, use the boom mic. 
The boom mic gets us out of all sorts of troubles of chest placement, of um, chestiness in the sound, et cetera, et cetera. To tell the story, you need the dialogue to be clear. Dialogue is our touchstone. And a way of thinking about it is the way that uh, color television engineers think about color. You only need to get three colors right, skin, grass, and sky. And why is that? Because they're things that we have internal references for. If you get them wildly wrong, people are going to know. Yet if you change the color of a shirt, you'll never figure that out. Uh, as long as skin, grass, and sky is right. Well, dialogue is our skin, grass, and sky. It is uh, the most important thing in the right perspective, with the right timbre, uh, with the right the director reflected ratio, and so forth. So that is my two-minute capsule of what's important and where it comes from. Uh, it's, it is the hidden art. It is something that will always probably be hidden and it's something that can definitely move and fix the, uh, audi uh, the uh, audiences let me give you one or two other examples if an ambience changes as a, at a picture cut there's no continuity but if you carry the ambience across a picture cut then there is continuity so like the camera and wide shot close up close up and its grammar of editing the audio also has a kind of grammar. Consistency means you've stayed in the same space. An abrupt cut says you've changed perspective or changed rooms. So you can have many little sayings, touchstones about this and uh, put them to good use. Uh, of course, you have to put them to good use. I always used to run in my class uh, the documentary, The Wonderful, Horrible Life of Lainey Riefenstahl, Hitler's filmmaker, because there's a scene of her sitting at an editing station, editing the uh, music for the Nuremberg rally with the flags waving back and forth. And she made certain that the beat of the music matched the flags waving back and forth because it made it more powerful. So my point is, you can take these tactics and points I give and put them to good or evil use, as she did. They are neutral. The, the tactics are neutral. The outcome is not. Right. Well, this is a great uh, overview of the power of sound and, and, and shows what a good teacher you are. It, it, it's, it's also the, uh, the idea that filmmakers tend to their appreciation of sound and value of sound tends to grow over time that uh, as the secret art, as you say. Now, let me turn to another subject. When you were involved in an inventing THX, something that you know, we, we take for granted today, but what was the biggest challenge of inventing that sound standard? Well, I think it was getting the executive buy-in that people would be a little bit experimental, which they would not do in Hollywood. I had a boss who George had hired as a, a guy who to schlep chems around, but he had uh, gotten George's uh, uh, imprimatur, as it were, 
And he allowed experimentation. He he let us push the envelope. And I needed like $15,000 to do stuff in the beginning. And he got that money and so forth and so on. So I think it was the buy-in. The technical things, THX is really a summing up of things that had happened over the previous 35 years. Sound systems were kind of fixed right after World War II with inventions up through the war. And they went into theaters, but that was the point at which television became a big competitor to theaters. So theater quality was fixed and was not as, uh, and was the best, say in 1953, that's the best recorded sound you could hear. But by 1975, it wasn't home stereos were better and so forth. So what I did is to pull together things that had happened in that 35 years, and they were from many areas from theory and practice, from products to people and uh, people who understood uh, how crossovers work better than other people did and so forth and so on. Uh, it was picking and choosing. There is an invention in it uh, that happened to be an accident, which was sticking my head up under the screen uh, one day. I heard all high frequencies were down at the bottom of the screen. What was happening was the speaker was emitting them and it was bouncing off the screen and off the wall behind the screen and down, 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 until I heard it at the bottom. So all these S's were down at the bottom. What's that? And I thought to cover the wall that was needed for low frequencies with high frequency absorbing material. And here we're going into the weeds a bit. But uh, anyway, that's the pat. That's the THX patent. It's pretty simple. And it's a discovery, not uh, some kind of theoretical invention. You sit around and calculate. And the rest of it is pulling together the right things. And the principle is that Jim Kessler backed me up uh, to make a new system. Well, again, congratulations for heaven's sake. Now let's return to uh, the new filmmaker who is working on projects and uh, combining uh, sound with picture. What other advice do you have for new filmmakers about how to use the power of sound? Well, I think first you start, it starts with a script. Every sound person that works on a movie likes to start reading the script and figuring out, is this naturalistic? Is it uh, some kind of experimental film or what, what kind of genre are we in? And then what is appropriate for that? People go to extremes, I mean, unbelievable extremes to get things to be exactly right for certain kinds of movies. They want precisely the same sound of the footsteps creaking on the steps in a cowboy movie. You wouldn't believe. And by the way, these things are online. Uh, there's a set of recordings of sound people on how they worked on movies. And those are all available online telling you how they did it. And some of it is just being super ultra realism, very close miking to footfalls, for example, that have to be exactly the right on exactly the right surface. And they do it over and over and over until it's right. On the other hand, maybe in a comedy, say, uh, perhaps it's a little lighter weight. You can make substitutions. Things like uh, uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. When we come to the flying wing sequence, that flying wing was never a plane that would ever fly, maybe in an optical effect. But it was sitting there on the ground, turned by electric motors. It didn't sound like anything. So the filmmakers went to an airport and recorded a helicopter right underneath the wings. Flap, 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 flap. 
and substituted it. So that's the kind of a substitution effect that is often very useful. See, but another right. kind, yeah. Another, another kind of is if you're inventing an effect, like we needed the uh, Ben Burt needed the uh, blast of the uh, guns from the bad guys. And he went and twanged uh, with a hammer on an AM transmitter guy wire. Twang! And made that wonderful twang that we hear throughout the Star Wars series. So he made a kind of leap of intuition to being what it should be. Wow, these are really more secrets of the power of sound. But let's turn to a wide shot and ask... Uh, where are we headed? What's your prognosis for sound in movies and theaters? Well, technically speaking, we've extended the frequency range to cover the all of human hearing. It certainly has enough dynamic range to play louder than we even like uh, and be silent in silent parts. So that those two, which were uh, uh, the development from 1929 to 1980, say, were developing those things. Then we started working on the spatial capacity, and we went from mono to stereo to 5.1, 7.1, and now into Atmos. Uh, I did, in the meantime, 10.2. I did that after I named 5.1 in 1987, but immediately got to work on 10.2 because I was interested in the next big thing. Well, that didn't make it commercially, but it was a push on the industry to say, let's have more channels because those other two things, frequency range and dynamic range, are solved deals. Let's work with the spatial capacity and how we can envelop you and immerse you in a sound. Uh, and those, those are uh, still expanding because it takes a while to digest the art into, uh, from the technical side into the art side. And some movies like um, Gravity, for instance, uses this wonderfully. It is because the director paid full attention to sound. Often, by the time we get to that point of post-production, the poor director has been with the content for two or three years, and they can hear the dialogue in the dark. You can turn it off and they can hear it. But the pre-recording mixer has to stand up to that and make certain that the dialogue is still audible. So that's so. Those are some of the things that go on. They're more. They're not technical as much as they are a final vision of what the final product should be, and you, with the best professionals, you can get that. Well, now let's review our assignments for today: are to watch Love Actually, and also Gravity to get a sense of the full power of sound. And it, it's been a pleasure to discuss this. This vital component in making movies and watching movies with the guru of sound, Tom Holman. Thank you, Tom, for being a guest on the Movie Business Podcast. Thank you very much, Jason.